0: God's word that we will uh, consider this morning comes from Mark chapter 1 and I invite you if you'd like uh, to keep your own Bibles open if you want to as we study that word of God together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us this morning. Thank you for giving us safe travel, letting us all be healthy so that we could come together here. Uh, I pray now that as we hear your word that you would not let me, your servant, stand in the way of your people hearing that word. Let it come through and let them know Uh, the things that you want them to know. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do I have anything for which I need to ask for forgiveness? No, just differences. That was a question I asked uh, an individual. No, just differences was the answer that they gave. I still have a hard time accepting it. I'm pretty sure based on the way that uh, the, the person walked kind of, heatedly out of the room. Uh, I'm pretty sure based on the critical remarks that I heard. uh, I'm pretty sure based on the fact that phone calls never got answered and we didn't get a chance to talk about the situation. I have a really hard time accepting that it was just differences and there wasn't anything which needed to be forgiven. I've, I've had a hard time shaking that. Perhaps you'd say I have a sensitive conscience. I don't know. Forgiveness is hard though or it's easy but it's hard right at the moment when it actually costs something forgiveness is hard at the moment when you have to say to somebody else i'll take the blame i'll take the hit i'll pay the cost i'll pay the price so that we can have a a different kind of relationship i mean if you come into my house and you break a lamp either i pay the cost for the lamp i say to you look i'll you know I'm a rich pastor. I got money coming out of my ears. I'll pay the cost for this really fine lamp that I got from Pier 1 Imports, you know, or whatever else. No biggie. I got it. And, and then I also accept some of the, the responsibility for the situation, right? I take it off of you so you don't feel bad. Or I say to you, look, man, you know I'm a poor pastor. I don't have any money. I need this lamp. How else am I supposed to read my books so that I can prepare my sermon? I need you to, to fess up and to pay for the lamp. And and to cover the cost uh, evolved, including the responsibility or the blame that, that I need to leave that also with you, right? So it's either, either I pay the cost or you pay the cost. But at that moment, forgiveness is not easy. At least it's not cheap and free. Uh, forgiveness would be, well, it'd be much easier to say to somebody, look, nobody's perfect. Everybody messes up sometimes. We're all guilty a little bit or we're all even if we're not guilty we're all bad people we all mess up right and um and so we have this kind of general attitude of fault without guilt that's a that's an attitude that we can kind of end up having people have fault or some kind of amount of responsibility but no real guilt and and and, I, and this happens uh, i i think of times where people are critical of me and i know uh Some of you have been very, very polite and wonderful to say to them, look, man, nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect, which is a very kind thing for you to say in defense of me. But realize part of what you're doing there is is you're excusing me without blaming me. You're, You're having a general sense of everybody's guilty, but nobody really does anything wrong that needs forgiveness. And, uh... You know, it's true that, okay, everybody makes some, some mistakes. So there is a general sense of, of wrong without guilt. And yet at some point, that guilt even has to turn, or that wrong has to turn into a specific responsibility, doesn't it? Um, it would also be much easier to say to, to other people, we say, look, nothing's wrong. You know, nobody's ever really wrong. There's, there's no problem here. We didn't do anything wrong. I mean, things just happen in life, but nobody's wrong. Wouldn't it be all easier to say than to actually say, I forgive you, I pay the cost, I'll absorb the price, I'll take the hit for the broken relationship, for the broken lamp, for the whatever pain and the problems that have been caused. Uh, That would be hard, and yet that is, it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, There's a psychologist named Lauren Toussaint. I know, who has a name like that, right? Lauren Toussaint, who said that people over 45... People over 45 years of age who had forgiven each other or forgiven others reported greater satisfaction with their lives and were less likely to report symptoms of psychological distress, such as feelings of nervousness, restlessness, and sadness. If you're under 45 and you still want a shot at getting happy in life, start forgiving people. If you're over 45 and you're not happy, I'm sorry. Tough luck. That's what he said, right? we could go through all kinds of data that says that forgiveness is a good thing to, to practice. And yet, God here today wants to say, yes, it's hard, but I want to give you the greatest gift to add into your world, forgiveness. That's what Mark 1 is trying to tell us. Now, let's go through this. Um, Mark chapter 1 here, where God says these words to, through, through, the, uh, the, through Mark. He says, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And whether we get it or not in these words, uh, whether we understand it right away or not, you know, what he's saying, he's not saying to us, get ready, prepare more fully. Uh, He's not saying your hearts aren't ready and you need to prepare for the Messiah's coming. What he's actually saying to us is, The king is here, Messiah is here, the ruler is here, and whether you like it or not, he is in the business of making people ready. He is in the business of making people ready for his kingdom and for his world. And you either take him and let him do with you as you wish, as he wishes, or you say to him, I don't want anything to do with your kingdom. Let me show you what he's saying here, right, a little bit. Uh, Mark writes, prepare the way for the Lord. Now, there are, there are, it's true that there are plenty of times in the Bible uh, where the word Lord means a respected person, a person that you might revere, you know, look up to. Uh, and so, you know, Lord can mean your master or your ruler. And, and yet that is not what Mark is saying here. He says, prepare the way of the Lord. The Lord here, the name is the name for God himself. Mark is announcing, and he's saying, God himself has come among you. And what is God about to do? What is God up to? He says, prepare the way. Prepare the way. That's what I'm up to. And John shows up then offering this baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And see, this is where, this is where our, our thinking has to clarify on this a whole lot. Because if I hear the words, prepare the way for the Lord, I think, well, we better start getting a party ready. You know, it's like when grandma and grandpa come to visit us. What do we do? We make sure the house is all decorated. We turn the music on. We put the streamers up. You know, we got the balloons and da da da. And that way, when the door opens, we can have a big party, right? Um, or if the house has been trashed, we start running around the house and, and cleaning it up. But it's not like that at all. What Mark is saying is look, the Lord is already in the house, and he is going to start making a mess in this house whether you, you like it or not. Baptism is going to happen. Repentance is happening. Forgiveness is happening. And, and he wants you to be a part of it. You either take it and let him do his thing in your life, or, or you don't. Maybe we can, uh, we can put this a little bit more clearly. Everybody has a master, right? a ruler in their lives. Everybody has somebody who says, this is what you should be doing with your life. Uh, and and here's how you, you need to live. And I think the best master, the best ruler in our lives should be the Lord, the God of Israel. He's the one that would be, be the best ruler in your lives. And he, he comes to us and he is saying to us, the only way I will deal with you is to work repentance and through forgiveness in you. That's the only way I'm going to take you. I will work this. This is how I am. I will raise up the low places in your life where you are anxious, where you are downtrodden, where you are sorrowful, I will fill that up. And where you are bitter and resentful, cold, uh, unloving, I will knock that down. This is the things that I I must do. And if you say to him, you know, forgiveness is not part of my life. If you say, I I don't forgive people. People don't sin against me. Um, I don't really sin, you know, much against other people i just don't need forgiveness as part of my life i don't ever see that well okay right good maybe that maybe that works out for you i mean you certainly won't ever have to deal with me that's a fast ticket to not having to put up with a pastor right um and maybe your life will be filled with a lot of strength you can have power and you say i don't think anybody will ever cross you nobody ever would would they because they can never expect to fix that relationship. Um, Or maybe your life, if you say forgiveness is not part of my life, maybe your life will be filled with a lot of pity and generosity and kindness. Nobody will ever leave you because they they will know that you will never have to forgive them. You will never hold them accountable and then have to forgive them for something that you've done wrong. See, it could be a great world uh, to not have forgiveness But that's not God's world. That's not the way that God works. God forgives. We pray it every week. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What does that mean? That means that if you are not forgiving, then God is not forgiving you. God insists on being active in that work of forgiveness in your life. There was a, a German poet who didn't believe. His name was Heinrich. Good German name, right? Heinrich. Uh, and he was an unbeliever. He didn't, he didn't believe in God at all. And yet he kind of got it, but he only got half of it. And, and on his deathbed, somebody asked him, you know, what are you going to do if there really is a God? And he said, well, God forgives. It's his job. And, and he was right, right? That's God's thing is, is to forgive. The thing, problem was is that if you're not forgiving, if the forgiveness is not in you, then you're missing it if forgiveness is not enamoring you if you're not adoring it and and it's not filling you up right if it doesn't awe you and thrill you then you're missing it forgiveness is is a frightening a terrifying and an inspiring or a thrilling thing right? just just think about it forgiveness is the only way where where relationships can world where relationships can actually get wrecked if there is no forgiveness, you can't actually wreck a relationship. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, let's say, let's say that you, you mess up in my life big time. But if I operate with the opinion everybody messes up sometimes, everybody is bad, then our relationship isn't ruined. We might grow cold. We might be a little bit distant. But I'm never going to hold you actually accountable. There's no possibility of restoring the relationship. You could walk away from me. I could walk away from you. But the relationship can never be completely broken because there'd be no way of actually putting it back together. On the other side, forgiveness is the only way that relationships that are wrecked can be possibly put back together. If you really do have a relationship that has been destroyed, completely thrown into shambles, then forgiveness is the only way to restore it. Or what about a person? If if an individual person destroys their life, in in a world where nobody does anything wrong, you have to say, well, that's your choice. You can do what you want with your life. And it's not right, it's not wrong, they just wreck their life, they destroy themselves. Uh, but, But in a world with forgiveness, then that person can actually destroy themselves completely, or at the same time, at some point, You can say to them, I forgive you, and they get restoration. They start to repair and restore their own life. See, forgiveness is a a frightening and it's a thrilling thing. It's the only world where there's actually accountability, but there's actually healing. There's actually restoration. It's the greatest gift. And if you are enamored by it, if you... Adore it. If, if, if the sight and the sound of forgiveness thrills your heart this Christmas, maybe you'll receive it. And then, if you're so moved, you'll have an opportunity to give it, too. Right? You notice today, God is not saying to you, forgive uh, because you feel so guilty. See, some of us, some of us feel guilty, uh, and I, I feel guilty sometimes. And I think guilt is what I feel, what I experience when I've become convinced that i've done something wrong it's not just the awkward moment that i have because you don't like something that i do but i'm actually convinced i've done something wrong and plenty of psychologists tell us that we would be much happier and healthier if we forgave we could be happier and healthier people uh, but god is not saying that nor is god saying to you and i uh, you know forgive so we can have peace it's true that a lot of relationships are broken and, and we're here now in the Christmas season where we have to deal with the reality of, of broken relationships. We could have stronger and more meaningful relationships if we could practice forgiveness in them. But God is not even saying that. God is saying, look, I'm God and, and you are you and the only way for me to be God and you, for you to be you is if forgiveness is part of your life. And, and I think one illustration that's always kind of sat with me, there was a woman um, who, who chose to have an abortion. And whether you think she should have felt guilty or not about it, she did feel guilty about it afterwards. She felt quite guilty. And she confessed the sin hundreds of times, and yet she never felt um, forgiven. She never felt relieved of her guilt. Finally, she came and she spoke with this woman named Rebecca. And you would think, now, there would be all kinds of things that people could say, uh, right? Some people would tell this woman, you just need to accept that you're forgiven. Or you believe in Jesus. If you really believe in Jesus, you believe Jesus died for your sins, you just need to accept it. Um, that's your issue. Now, or somebody else might tell her, look, Jesus died for your sins so you could have peace with God. Don't you see the peace that you have? Right? Don't you know that you can experience real peace with God? Stop blaming yourself and, and ha- accept the peace, but that's not what, what she said. That's not what Rebecca said. Rebecca said to her, look, it was the sin of pride of thinking that life had to go your way. It was the sin of pride that led you to taking this, this life, this life of the child. And it's the sin of pride that put Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago. And if, if God could forgive you through Jesus giving up his life for the sin of saying, life has to go my way, my way or the highway, then then can't God forgive you for the sin in this case of saying, life has to go my way? And and a light bulb went on in her head at that moment. She realized, right, she had been walking through, through life and she had always realized, she had always believed that God could forgive her for the death of Jesus and for saying, life needs to be my way. And she said, if God can forgive me for the death of Jesus, then I need to also say, God can forgive me for the death of this child and for saying life has to go my way. Right? And that's, that's if you and I are struck by forgiveness in the same way. Then you have to be enamored by it. You have to stop beating yourself up. You have to stop blaming yourself for all of the things that you have done that are wrong. And you have to praise him. You have to just praise him and say it's the greatest gift possible forgiveness. Let's pray for that. Lord, uh, it's, it's so true that forgiveness is not perhaps as much of a part of our life because it's easier to excuse people in a very general way for their wrongdoing and it's easier to, to simply say nobody really does anything wrong. Uh, and so we ask for your forgiveness. For, forgive us for taking forgiveness out of life. And lead us then as we see that your way is the right way, your way is the beautiful and the good way to put forgiveness back into our lives. Lead us as we see the forgiveness that Jesus won for us on the cross, that it's the better way, the best way, and that as we stare at your cross, our lives might be fulfilled with forgiveness, not only of ourselves, but of the people around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand and confess our